Welcome back, everyone, to your favorite podcast, the podcast that tops the charts, but it doesn't show it because it's fa- fake news, false news on all the podcasts. Yes, we're actually number one. You just don't know it because they won't show it. The podcast, Babbling Pastors Podcast, part of the Honest Youth Pastor YouTube channel. Welcome back again, uh, where we are this month addressing questions from Rob's family. <laughs> hmm Yeah. But first... Uh, yeah, for, don't ask those questions available at thehonestyouthpastor.com if you could visit one religious landmark where would you go and why I would go to uh, Jesus' tomb I think I would go there um, oh my gosh because that's such a Sunday school answer it, <laughs> I guess kidding. it is I don't yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm going <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the first the first answer uh, that comes to my mind here. Um yeah, yeah, I think that'd be cool to see. I think um where now I'm okay, now I'm confused because I remember Oh, maybe that was the manger that they built an entire church around. I think that's the manger they built a whole like a whole cathedral around and you have to go into this little room and see it. I'm pretty sure that's the manger. But the yeah, the tomb I think would be interesting to see in, in like in comparison to everything else. Right. So I read the gospels and you know, the resurrection account and you have in your head sort of what it would look like. Um, but I think it would be interesting to be there. I mean, that's one of like what a dozen that would be really cool to see because again, conceptually in my mind, (laughs) it's probably totally different than what actually, you know, what it actually looks like. So that's mine. Yeah, there's my Sunday school answer. I want to go to Jesus' tomb. <laughs> no, um, this this is actually a really hard question for me. Um, because so everybody everybody says Israel, right? Like that you would want to go there, and they pick something from Israel. And and I think if I were to do that, I would I would think um, like for me the coolest thing would be the Mount of Olives, um, yeah. where you're you're standing there and you're overlooking. Jerusalem and of course it's different now but but you're overlooking Jerusalem and kind of kind of imagining and picturing what that would have been like you know like so many things happened uh, on the Mount of Olives um and so I think that'd be really cool um but but I also I have to mention though that I think I think that um uh Rome for me would be epic <laughs> for um just the 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 church and and i know it says religious landmark and i so i suppose it's wanting something more um narrow than just rome um but man i don't know that's that's to me that would be just super cool because of all of the um well yeah, you uh, got the pope you like the pope i mean you want to kiss the ring yeah. i mean yeah um uh that's that's not true at all he the pope needs to repent of his sins um but yeah so i i think if if it were me that's mount of olives probably this is what i would pick um, good answer good answer good sunday school yeah answer. yeah yeah <laughs> like jesus's tomb yeah all right we get it you're a christian um no, <laughs> you're kidding. holier than all of us <laughs> yeah you <wanna. laughs> Uh, um, okay. So here's the question of the day. All right. You ready? Question of the day is this, is there a difference between the spirit being on someone in the scriptures and in someone 
in the scriptures. Okay, so again, the level of, of preparedness here is going to blow you away. I'm just saying it's going to blow you away. Um, so automatically, so I, I'm approaching this as somebody comes up to me at work and like asks this question and I haven't had any time to prepare. Yeah. Yes, I would say there is. So in the Old Testament, we see the Spirit coming to a lot of the prophets and being on them, I think is I think on them is actually some of the terminology that's used, though I'd have to double check that. But the idea being that this this is why they have the ability to prophesy or um, to to give a word from the Lord is because the Spirit is on them. Um, and then we see that sort of transition in the New Testament at Pentecost specifically, where the Spirit then falls on them there at. Um, at Pentecost, but also a distinctive difference occurs then that we see, see sort of see the language change after that, if I'm recollecting correctly, where now it's the spirit in them that's actually making this transformation possible as far as a new heart, a new mind, um, and being transformed from death to life. Um, it's not now, again, a lot of that language also connects to Jesus's life, death, burial, and resurrection, but it seems like the power of that to actually occur comes from the spirit. Which is why, like for example, Peter has the boldness to preach uh, the gospel in sort of a sort of a a call back to the Old Testament in regards to this proclamation of you know that God is given. So I, I'd say in a very short you know again no preparedness no verses that I can pull up to give you for that, but there is a difference between the Spirit being on someone and in them. Now, if we're talking about like now, like in the current day, I'd say that you know we've we have a distinctive difference to where the spirit, um, if you're going to talk about the spirit being on someone, and this again gets into the gifts a little bit, um, might be, you know, if somebody does have some sort of like, and this is going to freak some people out. And so I might have to explain myself, but if somebody does have some sort of like prophetic word for somebody now, let me, let me kind of clarify what I'm saying by that. There have been times in my life where somebody has legit come up to somebody else that I've been standing by and be like, hey, I feel like the Lord wanted me to say this or that to you. Uh, and that's what I mean by that is that it's more of the spirit guiding than it is the spirit falling on someone for some sort of like word from the Lord. Um, but I'd say there is a difference. Old Testament spirit is on someone to give the word of the Lord. Now the spirit is in us as believers and guides us and helps us. And at some points, prompts you to to do things um that are sort of reminiscent but obviously not to the scale of that we see in the old testament in regards to proclaiming the word of the lord um there's nobody here that's gonna be like and the lord did come to me in the year of biden and told me to tell you this or that like i don't like that's not that's not the thing that's that's happening now but um as believers it's a beautiful truth that the, the, the spirit that used to just fall on people temporarily is now the spirit that lives in us as believers and transforms us. So there's my short Sunday school answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. I won't refer to it as that anymore. Um, yeah, no. So I, I, I agree with you. There is a difference. I think a, a distinction is made in scripture. And um, so the spirit being on someone is something that you you see a lot uh, you see happening a lot more in the Old Testament, um, and that's not uh, evidence for uh, there um, even uh, God being uh, different in the Old Testament and in the New Testament or any of that garbage. It's it's just 
Um, so when we think about the spirit being on someone, I think the scripture would dictate, if you look at all of the examples of this, um, it is, it is the spirit being on someone to fulfill, um, an office or a, um, a specific role for that, that that person has. Um, so, uh, the prophets, you gave that example and that's, that's, um, absolutely, um, accurate. The, the prophets were, um, prophets, <laughs> um, and to, to do so, to exercise that office and be able to, um, prophets, to be able to, to, uh, stand before the people, write their, uh, uh, prophecy down, write down what God said that the spirit, uh, was on them to fulfill that office. You also see this in Kings, uh, the, the office of King, uh, in the old Testament, um, Saul, the spirit of God was taken from him. Uh, the spirit was on him at one point. David in Psalm 51, after his sin with Bathsheba, um, David um, actually says, um, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, and and so that sometimes that verse is used as an argument that uh, David was worried that he would lose his salvation. Um, but that's that's not what it's talking about at all. God God's spirit was on David um, had anointed David to fulfill his office as the king of Israel. And what David had done in his sin um, um, was a breach of God's expectations of, of sort of God's covenant with David uh, in his kingly office. And so David is worried not that the spirit of God, you know, certainly not that he's going to... Um, uh, not be saved anymore. Like all of a sudden he's not a man after God's own heart kind of a thing. Right. Um, rather he's, he's worried and asking God for, um, a further chance. Uh, essentially he's asking God to forgive him and not take, um, his, uh, his role away, uh, allow him to continue to fulfill his office as King. Um, and then in the new Testament, when you read about the spirit being on um, someone, it's it's really the same thing. It's it's taking uh, so um, the spirit of God fell on. You mentioned this on the apostles at at on the day of Pentecost, right? Um, well, that was the spirit coming on the apostles. What's their role? Is it some kind of special role? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's it's a special role, a special statement being made by God um, through his word that that this is this is a moment. Right. This isn't talking about the spirit indwelling a believer. Um, this is talking about a specific moment in time that something special is happening. They're being set apart for something. Another time that you see it in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and his family. Well, what's significant about that? Well, um, the significance of that is that it's the first moment that you see um, salvation actually coming to the Gentiles specifically with um, with the the gospel of Christ. It's the first. It's the first time Peter, you remember, has this vision. Uh, God is essentially telling him, um, "Don't don't call uh, what I've deemed clean unclean," and um, 
and and so it's this this moment in history that had been looked forward to since Genesis three fifteen, and then again in Abraham's uh, call in the name that God gave him, Father of many nations. Um, so this this moment in history had always been coming, and it's finally here. And now the Spirit of God. Um, uh, it says specifically, uh, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Um, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they're like, wait, out wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? I'm out. Um uh, but but so every time the point being every time that you see um, the Holy Spirit being on someone, it's to fulfill an office or to um, in in this case I, I mean I think it's still the same thing it it maybe isn't an office to be filled but but that Gentiles at that point from that point on had the opportunity to be called Christian had the opportunity to be called God's people grafted in Israel. Um, and so, uh, it, it's the same thing, right? And, and so that is distinctively different than when we think about the Holy Spirit indwelling, um, God's people, the Holy Spirit being in, um, um, God's people. Um, so I don't know, uh, what. No, that, I think that's a good distinction. And that's where I think that's why it would be important to use the verses to make the the different i mean that that i think the main thing i saw between my answer and yours is that the distinctions are really within the verses in regards to okay well how does this work out because and i think especially when you're talking about the spirit um and what that you know what surrounds you know the indwelling of the holy spirit and a believer and what that looks like that's where the verses and really working through the distinctions and each sort of situation that happens is is important because that's where you have a lot of the sort of differences or discussions or arguments among Pentecostalisms or charismatics or, you know, other branches, because there's people that are out there. I've not met a lot of them, but I know they're, you know, fairly large group that would say like, you're not saved unless you, you know, speak in tongues and they would connect that to the indwelling of the yeah. Holy Spirit, right? The falling of the Holy Spirit. So um, that's where I think those distinctions are important. That's where those verses and looking at each of those situations and the wording used there is important because again, I mean, if you, it, the Old Testament knew, I think we've covered that. And I think you made a really good point there in regards to this isn't a different, you know, it's not a different God in either. It's just distinguishing about how the Holy Spirit falls necessarily. And then the important part, especially in the New Testament, when you're looking at it, is making those distinctions with those verses you're talking about, especially with an axe. I mean, that's where we have almost all of this information coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and distinguishing so that now, as you're actually working through the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, um, you have touch points to be able to define what that means and and what happens, I guess. Would, I don't know if what happens is the right way to say it, but kind of the interaction with the Spirit and us uh, and what that means as far as um, does everybody speak in tongues or not? Like that, that because <laughs> that's going to come up. That's going to come up, especially when you're talking about yeah. the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or the falling of the Holy Spirit. Um, those things that's where those distinctions become very, very important. So, yeah, well, and I think, um, the, so 
it's one thing to to read a scripture and and sort of misunderstand or think something about that scripture because you've read it and haven't researched the whole thing. Um, but uh, I mean, specific to what you just said, uh, Paul li- literally says, um, do all speak in tongues with the inference that no, all don't speak in tongues. And he's talking about Christians. And so um, they, the, uh, a person that advocates for that um, for salvation is just categorically wrong about scripture and what is being said. Um, uh, now, a person who's a little, um, uh, well, I don't want to give them a whole lot more credit than that, but, but a person who, uh, so there, there are some people who wouldn't say, um, you have to, um, be able to speak in tongues, um, as a sign at all that you're a Christian, but they will say, well, um, you have, um, you have the spirit, but you haven't been baptized in the spirit. You haven't had the anointing or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and that's the distinction that they would make that no, you not all speak in tongues because not all have been baptized into the spirit. And I'm probably getting some terminology wrong, but that's kind of the, the idea that, that you'll hear from some folks. So it, it really boils down to do some Bible study. I mean, like honest, exegetical, look at the context and languages kind of Bible study and come to conclusions based on that and not just sort of a, you know, I, I think that there's, there, this is probably, this is a whole different can of worms and a different subject, but, but it, it relates because I think one of the, one of the major, and, and I even struggle with, I think all of us struggle with this at some level today, but one of, one of our um, main things that is, that is not good um, that's that happens in Christianity is um, that we don't like to do the study ourselves. We like to read a book or watch a video and then assume that that person was right and and that now I'm an expert because I know what so and so said. Now there are men that I absolutely respect. Um, uh, like I, I would listen to. This is going to be a trigger, I know, for some of your audience, but but I think for like. Um, uh, J- John MacArthur is, a, I, is a, I don't agree with, I don't agree with all of his theological standpoints. Um, but, um, but he's a guy I respect and listen to, um, RC Sproul, dead guy, but not, not, um, Recently so long dead ago guy. dead. There's, yeah, there's a lot of content from him, um, at super good. Um, but my job as a Christian is not to listen to them and just assume that they're always right. My job as a Christian is to be a Berean, um, which is also from the book of Acts, and and search the scriptures for myself. And the, the spirit is in me, right? So there's a, a reference right back to it, right? Um, and, and so um, read the scriptures for myself and know um, know what they say and come and, and um, come to conclusions based on that. Um, certainly, uh, ideas from the past, I think, uh, to ignore church history and the people who have for centuries and, and even millennia at this point have, um, come to conclusions, have read the scriptures a certain way, have seen to ignore all of that would be naive and stupid, right. Um, of, of anyone, uh, because God, uh, was, um, God was present in their, in their work too. a lot of those guys. So, um, 
so we have to look at that kind of thing but but to call it gospel and to to um to just take someone else's uh, or uh, or an organization's um uh word as gospel uh as gospel truth is is uh to me the same mistake and um heresy frankly that the catholic church does with the the tradition um, and the word of God uh, being equal in a, in in so many ways, and that's that's not good. But well, so on that, I think sort of my la- my ending point, sort of on this discussion, I think are can be summed up in two things, and a lot of it connects to what you said there, which is that one, we really need to take the time to study this because I think, for example. I mean, the modern church in as loose a way I can say it pretty much has Jesus. Like, I mean, like on Locke, if I can say that, obviously there's, I mean, you could pull up a thousand different things that demonstrate that we don't know the scriptures very well about Jesus, but I think we pretty (laughs) much have Jesus down and um, God, the father primarily. uh, I mean, you can find distinctions where this isn't true everywhere, but overall the spirit is very, he's very misunderstood. I think we don't do a lot of study on that sure. and it's almost been relegated to the charismatic side of things. And because of that, um, you have some people that just don't speak about the Holy Spirit often because it's because he's so connected to charisma. I mean, in their head is connected to like Pentecostalism. And, and then you have some just nutty Pentecostals, like those within the charismatic movement will say, yeah, those people are too far for me. And because of that, you have sort of this like really misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. So one, I think we really need to have like a more rounded view of the spirit and what he does and how he operates. And secondly, what to 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 one of the points you just said more recently, I think we really need to do a better job of saying, okay, this is the person I agree with what's the opposite view of that? And then really look at that and dig into Mm -hmm. it and distinguish between and say, okay, what are the, you know, what are the valid points against my view here? The only way that you're, well, not the only way, but one of the most beneficial way, I guess I can speak for myself that I've grown in really deepening my understanding and solidifying my theology is saying, okay, you believe this and I agree with you. What is this person over here that totally disagrees with you say on it? And do they have any valid points? And then mm-hmm. looking through that and saying, okay, because in best case scenario here, you know, person A and person B are both going to reference scripture. That's best case scenario. If they don't, then there's a whole nother issue we have. But let's say they then both it's do. Easier, it's easier to distinguish who's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's say they both use scriptures. So if they're both using scripture, then I'm going to use those scriptures. And in a lot of cases, those scriptures are going to be the exact same scripture. And they're getting two different things out of it. So my, my job as a believer is to go to the Bible and say, okay, this is what the scriptures say. Person A says this about it. Person B says that. What can I see through my own, you know, studying of the scripture? And again, you're going to, you're going to, both of these people are, are, my hope would be have been diligent and faithful in trying to reason through the scriptures as well and sit down and say, okay, well, where do I see, you know, is this, this person being right, this person being right, where do I see issues? And what you're going to find is a person, you're going to be able to tell pretty quick if a person's done that. Uh, because they're going to say, well, I, well, with what you said earlier, you said, I, I like a lot of what John MacArthur says, but there's some things I disagree with. There's people that Mm -hmm. will, will pull up a pastor and be like, that's the dude. 
Do you disagree with anything he... No, that's the dude. Okay, you have clearly not looked into this very much because there's nobody you're going to agree 100% with. And yeah. to, to be the believer that says, okay, I lack in this area, this area in this particular question is the Holy Spirit. So I need to read those verses and I need to... Acts is going to be perfect for you. Read through Acts and then say, okay, what do other people say about it? I mean, this is basic sermon prep right? I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to look at the scripture. Then I'm going to say, what do commentaries say about this? And then really go through and say, are these right? Or are these wrong? I mean, this is the basic general gist of what every believer should be doing anyway. And, um, and then coming to your conclusion and now referencing the last episode, you're going to have to get in discussions with people and see if those things you have come to the conclusion on hold up in argumentation or not. And more importantly, scripture, but you know, people are going to counter counterpoint you. And so you're going to have to do even more study. And, um, I think that's where it all comes down to on this subject, right? You have an opinion probably as soon as you started listening to this episode about something, uh, about the spirit falling on people or being, you know, in people indwelling. And now like, hopefully maybe your views have been challenged and you've, you've listened to this and now you're going to have to like look into it a little bit more. I mean, that's the beauty of being a believer is your theology being more deep and being more in love with Jesus, being more in love with, you know, digging into the scripture and seeing what it says um, and reasoning with it, like being okay with like me being wrong and scripture being right <laughs> in some of these areas and changing my view. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so one distinction that, one distinction that I, I want to make um, before before I like conclusion here is um, not distinction. That's the wrong way to say it. But one one thing I want to point out that I think is actually um, really cool based on what we've talked about with the spirit being on someone um, as opposed to being in someone is. Um, that in in Acts chapter two, when Peter is giving his um, uh, first the first sermon in the Christian church, right? Uh, when Peter's giving giving this giving the gospel to them or whatever, uh, he quotes Joel, right? Um, where it says uh, um, that that there will come a, a moment essentially that uh, God will pour out His Spirit on all of His people. And, and so based on what we've talked about, what's the significance of that? Um, well, now every believer, every Christian, every, every believing person that belongs to God, um, every sheep is now a prophet because we have the word, um, is now a priest is now, you know, like, so, um, every, every every believer now holds specific offices that were not open to all of God's people before. And so, um, the, this idea that the, the spirit of God is now poured out in the new covenant on all of God's people. Um, I think as, as a lot more significant than, than just, Oh, the start of the new covenant. It's actually, it's actually, uh, so all of us are ambassadors for Christ. All of us have specific roles, um, that, that, um, some of those roles are for everyone. Um, uh, but even the spiritual gifts that we get, um, uh, that's, that's a picture of the spirit being on someone. 
um, gifting them, giving them a specific, um, uh, so, uh, you could, you could talk about the apostles, prophets, teachers, that, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it's actually really significant, the spirit being on someone in the old Testament and, and it's usually individuals for a specific office. And, and then in the new Testament in the new covenant, when that was ushered in, the spirit was poured out on all of God's people to fulfill um, specific offices that were, um, you know, only for certain persons in the Old Testament. So pretty cool, I think. No, yeah, I think, well, and that, again, we don't have time to do a whole episode of the five-fold ministry, but that would be interesting to do sometime. Yeah. But I think what, just to sort of end us out here, I think that's something to ponder right there, right? The significance of the fact that that really means quite a bit more for the believer now than most people attribute it to the believer. Like this mm -hmm. is that you, <laughs> you, you have an active part in a very similar way as the, uh, those that God fell on in the old Testament in a way to, uh, to proclaim and declare and to, um, uh, tell others about who God is and what he's done in a very powerful way. Not just with, I mean, you have the spirit in you, which is again, something we don't talk about often enough mm -hmm. that actually matters quite a bit guys. <laughs> so yeah. 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 The spirit is, the spirit is on. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this, um, and then that means that the spirit is on you in that, and that you have, you have specific callings that, that are specific to all Christians. Um, <clears throat> and and yet at the same time the spirit is in you and dwelling you empowering you to fulfill rightly all of those callings and to be lived out in in your faith so pretty cool yeah well i mean yeah, we use it a lot to you know binge flip binge watch netflix or something so i mean i think we're doing it to the, to right. the best of our ability so <laughs> yeah so Okay, everybody, uh, get rid of Netflix and Hulu. There are better things out there. <laughs> well, we can mention like Canon the Honest Plus. Youth Pastor channel on YouTube. We, we can mention Canon Plus, but uh, that would also trigger people. So uh, we won't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so, guys, yeah, I'm, I'm positive it would. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in this week. Hopefully, um, hopefully that was helpful and does drive you into maybe at least considering the question about what that means for you as a believer um, and the role you have in the body of Christ. Um, that would be the hope, right? All right, guys. Thank you. We'll uh, come back next week with questions from Rob's family. Family, family, family. family. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Uh, See ya. Yeah. Boy. See ya.